Good morning. Praise the Lord today. Can we praise God today? Yeah, praise God. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but that piano solo with that psalm was me playing that. I'm just kidding. I had a couple of you there for a little bit. Where's that hidden talent coming from? It's not there. Can't be good at everything. Big week for our household last uh, weekend. Josh was married to Jess. We're excited to have a daughter-in-law, Jess Brown. Yeah, praise God. Uh, grateful that she's part of our family and happy for Josh as they make their way to Fort Wayne. They got back in uh, yesterday after their honeymoon all week, and they are now residing in Fort Wayne with our younger son, Isaiah, which he's grateful for. I uh, have a brother there nearby. As we walk through the book of Psalm and see these incredible truths, my hope is that we apply them to our lives. Um, psalm 145 today is where we'll be going, and uh, it's an incredible psalm, and I'll share in a few moments why it's so important and why I think it's the significance of this psalm out of the 150 is worth taking time. Not that it's better or more inspired, it's just one that kind of stuck out in a special way. But this psalm was written by David, and he's letting us know that our God is great. As a kid, I learned a prayer from my parents, and it went something like this. Maybe you learned it too. God is great. God is good. And we thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. That was a, a, a prayer that they taught me very young. And the other one was, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But they were preparing me for salvation. But they encourage us as children. Entrenched in that prayer is praise. And so I can remember as a little kid around supper time, we would be begging, can I pray tonight? Can I pray? And we'd pray. God is great. God is good. And we thank him for our food by his hands. We are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. My parents wanted us as children to be children of praise and wanted to, us to have a habit of praising God. That discipline was so entrenched in me, and a lot of the habits that my parents instilled in me as a young kid are still applicable in my life today. It's important that we instill an attitude of praise in our children. A few interactions with a child, I can tell right away what their parent is like. I can see if their parents are negative. I can see if their parents worry. I can see if their parents fret. I can see what they do with life in just a few moments because what you do, your children do. Amen. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's true. It's, you, you could speak to them and speak to them and tell them to do something, but as soon as you do it, they see it as worthwhile because you've taken time to do it. And by the way, you can do that as a grandparent to your grandkids. Evidence of an awe of God is a life remiss of worry, fretting, and negative talk. I'm going to repeat that. Evidence of an awe of God is a life remiss of worry, fretting, and negative talk. Praise and worry cannot live in mutual agreement with each other in our hearts. Think about that for a second. Praise and worry can't live in mutual agreement with each other in our hearts. You can't praise and worry at the same time. Every morning when you get up and I get up, we have a choice to make. Will we take that thing that we took to bed and refuse to give up? 
Will we in the morning pick it back up and be worried about it again? That job, that relationship, that financial burden, that sickness, just, just name it, that meeting, that, that unemployment. That, we have a choice every morning as, as we go to sleep. Often we'll, we'll take it with us to bed and we'll put it on our nightstand. And the first thing we do when we get in the morning, we have a choice to make. Will I let this rule my day in every relationship? And as I talk to you, I put this in front of me, like everything that I see and I do is through the grid of this worry that I've chosen to carry with me. And the truth is this, you and I have a choice not to bring this with us throughout our day. You can't praise God and worry about this. And we get pretty we have ways of, 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 of trying to manage both. We'll put it under our arm and we'll try to praise God and worship. And some of you pray, tried to praise God and worship all alone, still holding on to this concern about your child, about your marriage, about the workplace. Just name it. You try. Or you hold it in your hand and you're trying. You can't praise God and hold on to this concern in a worrying way at the same time, it's impossible. You must cast this off, and when you release this, now, there's this burden that's been lifted, and you can truly praise God. Because if you don't, the reality is, is you'll be chained all day with this. Everywhere you go, it's going to be a great day. And you have a choice to make about your health, about your future. And some of you, you're really good at this. It's like you're, you're having a good day. It's like, oh, yeah. And maybe you're enjoying your family. You're going out to lunch today. And you had a good message and you praised God. And before, you're like, man, I'm feeling good. But before you left the room, it's like, ah. I'm going to bring it with me. And every conversation I have, even with Anthony, I see it through the lens of this. It will ruin your day. And David says, it's impossible to praise God and worry and fret and be consumed with this at the same time. These cannot live in mutual agreement in your heart. So the question is, what will you choose? This? And this is the grid throughout every conversation that you have or this? <laughs> Grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 145, and we're going to see this incredible truth displayed by David. And I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read the first four verses of Psalm chapter 145. Just the first four verses. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 4. Would you read it with me? Psalm 145, verses 1 to 4. Ready, read. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Let me have a seat. God's greatness, David's going to show us in this psalm, God's greatness is unexplainable. How could we ever explain the greatness of God with our limited human thoughts? I want you to pause and really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you 15 seconds just to think about this thought and let it just boom, blow your mind, okay? Think about this statement. No one has ever taught God anything. His knowledge is complete. Just think on that. Just, just look at that. No one has ever taught God anything. His knowledge is complete. Yes, amen, Chuck. That's the God 
that holds the world together. His knowledge is complete. One said it this way many years ago, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Like, that should just blow your mind. That's our God. Now, I've never met someone whose knowledge was complete. They might have thought it was. You ever met that guy? He knows everything about everything. But there's only one who knows all and controls all and is in charge of all, and it's our God. There's something special about the context of this psalm, and I, I want to take time because I think it's important as we look at Scripture to say, what was the context in which that was written? Why, why was it written and what purpose? It's like when you see a song, you learn, oh, that's why they wrote that song. That is so much more meaningful to me. It doesn't make it better or more inspired or more inerrant or infallible, but the context of this psalm is significant. It is an acrostic. Each verse begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And by the way, the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. And you might be saying, Pastor Tim, there's only 21 verses, but here's why. Verse 13 has two letters in it. And you might say, what's the Hebrew alphabet? Let me, let me just show you something really cool. If you want to know what the Hebrew alphabet is, this just really, really valuable lesson. Turn to Psalm chapter 119. Go ahead and turn your Bible over and follow along with me. Psalm 119, every Hebrew letter of the alphabet is listed at the top of a paragraph or pericope or section in Psalm 119. Here's the Hebrew alphabet. Look, look with me, Psalm 119. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, top of 25, Daleth, Hey, Wav, look at verse 41. Keep following along with me. Keep turning the page. Zion, Heth, Yod, or Teth, Yod, Kaf, Lameth, Mem, Nun. Look at Samoth. Ayan, Pei, Sadi, Kaf, Resh, Sin, and Shin. And by the way, that letter, if it has a, a dot to the left, it's Sin. If it has a dot to the right on the Hebrew alphabet, it means Shin, Tau, and there it is. There's the 22 letters of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. And the really cool thing about Psalm 145, every single verse begins with the alphabet of that letter. David also wrote the song. It's the last psalm written by David. In this book, Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150 weren't written by David. This is the last psalm he wrote. I want you to show you why he wrote this. Look at Psalm chapter 146 with me. Look what begins to happen in the rest of the psalm. Psalm chapter 146, just turn with me quickly. At the end and beginning of each of the remaining psalms, it says, praise the Lord. Psalm 146 says, praise the Lord. It closes with, praise the Lord. Psalm 147, praise the Lord. It closes with, praise the Lord. Psalm 148 begins with, praise the Lord. Closes with, praise the Lord. Psalm 149 begins with, praise the Lord. Closes with, praise the Lord. Psalm 150 begins with, praise the Lord. Closes with, praise the Lord. Why is that? It's because... Most consider Psalm 145 a preface or introduction to Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and 50. It's a preface or introduction to what praise is. It's like saying, this is what praise is, big picture. That's what David does with 145. 146, 147, 148, 149, 150, explain it out. Do you realize that Jewish tradition... They would take their Jewish students and they would take Psalm 145 and they required a Jewish student who memorized the Torah, by the way, first five books of the Old Testament, 
And they required them to memorize this and then to speak it with their mouths and their hearts three times every day. Psalm 145 was so important to them, and they wanted to know what praise was, that Jewish tradition says they had to recite this three times a day with their heart and mouth. And here's why they believed they wanted them to do it. This is what they said. They believed you would experience spiritual happiness and understand the blessings of knowing God personally, and you would never worry again. That's the psalm that we're about to dig into. Hear me out. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it more inspired. It's the last one David wrote. It has the Hebrew alphabet, begins each letter of every verse. It's the preface or introduction for the end of the remaining Psalms. It carries weighty significance. Look what David says in Psalm chapter 145. He says, look, he says three times I will. I will exalt you, my God, the king, I will praise your name forever. I, every day, I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. His greatness, he says, no one can fathom. David says, I will exalt you. Some translations have, I will extol you. The word exalt and extol means I will put you above everything else. I will seat you in the highest realm. And so David says, each day I lift you up and I will exalt you. By the way, whatever you lift above everything else is your God. Paul Tripp had a, something to say about this text and he said this in regards to praise. And listen to what Paul Tripp said in regards to Psalm 145. He says, if awesome things in creation become your God, the God who created those things will not own your all. Horizontal all is meant to do one thing, stimulate vertical all with our God. It's not that we look at sunset and say, oh, look at, look at, I just love that. No, it's meant to point us to the God who created. If there's anything in your life that you're more in all with than God, then you have made that your God. David would later write in Psalm chapter 22 and verse 3 that God inhabits the praise of his people. One translation has God is enthroned in our praise. The Japanese translate that passage, we build a big chair for God to sit in when we praise his name. Our praise builds a big chair. Let me ask you a question. What kind of chair did you give God this week to sit in? You've heard me say this, but it's worth repeating, not to bring attention to myself, but maybe it'll, it'll help you to set your day. Each morning, I did it again this morning, my goal and my habit and my discipline has been for many, many years, probably because of my parents entrenching in my heart to praise God. I wake up, and the first thing from my mouth is a praise of God. Before my foot hits the floor, I speak out a praise because praise pushes back darkness. Praise sets my mind and attention on God. Praise removes this thing that I wanted to go to bed with that last night. It turns that away. It removes me from that, and it sets me in line with the God whose knowledge is complete and who can care for me in an infinite way. In fact, 
I always think of this visually. I go through this. I get up in the morning, and I often go out and get some coffee gone. So as I'm walking through our dark living room, I, I, I think I'm going to stumble over a big chair because when I got out of bed, before I got out of bed, I gave him a big chair. And I walk into my living room, and I say, welcome, God. <laughs> I know I'm weird, but it's a pattern, <laughs> and I have it. You see, if you don't live with an all of God, it will negatively affect every aspect of your life. There's many battles when it comes to parenting. And I can speak from experience. I know many of the battles. The great battle of parenting is not the battle for behavior, though. Sometimes we think it is. I need to get my child to do this. I wish they would do that. I wish they'd done that. Why didn't they do this? And we think we got to change their behavior. And so we attack the behavior. Stop it, we'll say. Well, I'm going to give you discipline until you change your behavior. As if somehow an outward touch, an outward word will change an inward action. And so most of parenthood is trying to change the behavior of our kids. But the truth is this, the great battle of parenting is not the battle for behavior, it's the battle for what kind of all will rule their hearts. Let me explain that to you for a second. Do you see what's happening today in families? Children hear and live by what they hear and what they see. And by the way, let me just, before I say anything else, it's not too late to change the, the, your patterns. You and I push back dark lies that your children are confused with. We push back fear and worry in their hearts. And fretting is thrown to the curb when we praise God. You see, don't you long for your children and our children to know that our God is a great and mighty God? So in order for that to happen, you must tell them stories of his mighty acts. Besides, the mere privilege to know God and to be his son and daughter should blow our minds. And, and, and I would say this, and, and I mean this, and I'll say it as kindly as I can. Take a look at your children, and a whole bunch of you will show up in them. Whatever you long to see in them, hear me out, must be displayed in you each day. It's not like I'm going to change their behavior. Stop that. And so we try to stop it. Listen, if you want to see change in them, it better begin in you. If your house is not a house of praise, your kids will never praise God. They just won't. They'll, they'll worry. They'll fret. They'll, and they'll grow up with this picture that our God isn't big enough. Let me explain, if I can, for a second. How many times have you said this? He's just like I was as a kid. And you have to ask the question, why? Because you're still like that. Or she's her mama's daughter. Why? Because she watches you. Or he's his daddy's son. Why? Because he's just like you. You see, praise creates a cataclysmic collision with their fear, with their darkness, with their worry, with their confusion, and it shatters it. 
and it produces joy, peace, laughter, hear me out, and then all of God. You want to see change in your children? A change must begin in you. You see, more, we're more responsible for our children's behavior than we want to take credit for. You see, I come from a broken family. I, I can attest to this. All these little mantras and demonstrations and things that mom and my stepfather spoken to us as kids, all these God is great and God is good, all these pictures of there's hope and God will get us through, all those truths, and we would sit around and, 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 and there would be times we would sit around the table and mom would say, okay, who's got to praise? Who's got to praise? We would just speak praises. You see, what was happening was the behavior that I now gained was gained there because I wasn't looking at this and walking through my day. I was looking at God. By the way, it can change today for you. You can still impact your adult children. Amen. It's not over. That's why David said this. Look in Psalm chapter 145. This is why he said this in Psalm chapter 45. Look what he says. He says, one, verse 4, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty works. Every generation has stories to tell. God continues to reveal his goodness. His power has no expiration date to it, nor do his miracles. That's why we read it. A lot of us love, we love to read, oh, I love Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. God's mercies are new every morning. Praise God. David goes on and reminds us, big picture, big picture. He reminds us that no one can stop God from being God. I love this truth. Not only can no one stop him, but we have a written record of who he is. Have you ever thought about this? God doesn't need any new knowledge. <laughs> like, each generation, think about this for a second, God does not drop a new Bible down to every generation. <laughs> like, here's the Bible for this generation. Holy cow, they're a mess here. <laughs> no, it's the same Bible. Because God's knowledge, hear me out, is complete. His word, hear me out, is complete. And everything we need has already been written. And so we need to believe this. And not only believe this, but live this. And when we live this, it's a game changer for our lives. So David says, big picture, remember this is an introduction to the rest of the psalm. He says in verse 5, they speak of his glory, splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and they proclaim your great deeds. You see, the, look, at, look at it. Speak, meditate, tell, proclaim. And then as verse 7 says, they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. You see the progression? Speak, tell, proclaim, meditate, sing, celebrate. David intends for the next generation to not only speak about the Lord, but to gush forth in praise. 
So what does he say is important in regards to what God does? Just, just follow this progression. Then he says, okay, here's, here's who God is. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Verse 9, the Lord is good to all. He repeats, he has compassion on all he made. Verse 10, all your works praise you, Lord. Your, you, your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom. They speak of your might. Verse 12, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Just promise after promise after promise after promise. David saying, here's big picture. This is who God is. I'm going to explain it in 146 to 150. You'll see other people talking about it, but our God is good on his word. He displays promise after promise after promise. Isn't God's, aren't God's promises the very things that help you make it through? Romans 8, 28 is one of the many promises of God. It says that he promises to work all things out for good to those that love him. God knows what he's doing, and no one will stop him from doing it. When I read Romans 8, 28, here's, here's how I would define that. God participates in all the outcomes of our decisions. The promise carries us on when we are unable to carry on in our own strength. Let me give you an example. When I was a kid, 10 years old, I remember my, my father, my birth father, bought me a brand new baseball glove. I loved playing baseball. And, and so he went to this place called Joe the Motors, and it was an expensive glove. It was a Rawlings glove. And I remember my dad paid $60 for it 400 years ago. That was a long time ago, back when I was a kid, anyhow. But that was a lot of money. I remember, I remember going to the store, and Dad said, hey, which, which glove? He said, I wanted my son to have the best. And it was probably his way of showing love towards me. And I remember coming home with this Rawlings glove signed by, I think it was signed by Reggie Jackson. And I remember, man, this is an incredible glove. And I, I remember taking it to my first practice, like, but I got, I got the glove, man. Didn't make me catch the ball better, but I got the glove. <laughs> but I was in my backyard, and I was playing catch with one of my neighbor friends, and we were throwing the ball, and I was catching. I was breaking in my glove. I had already put a ball on it, put a rope around it, ran over to the back tire of the station wagon. You'll understand that later one day. But he had to break it in. And, and I had already broken it in. I was having catch. And we're having fun, and, and I got distracted, so I laid my glove down by the tree, and me and my friend went and played. That night, it rained really hard, and I made a dumb decision. Almost brand-new glove, left it in the rain. And I remember thinking the next day when I got up to go to practice, where's my glove, where's my glove? And I thought, oh, man, I left it in the rain. Dumb decision. And I went over to pick up this baseball glove, and it was sopping wet. Brand-new Rawlings baseball glove. Sopping wet. In fact, water was dripping from it. And I thought, man, I made a mess of this. That was a horrible decision on my behalf. And so my father, my stepfather was coming home and he was going to take me to practice. And, and so I was, my head was down. It was bowed down. I was like, man, I ruined it. What a dumb decision. And I'll never forget what my stepfather Andy did. I showed him. He said, what's up, Jim? He could see the downward look at my face. I said, man, I, I ruined my glove with this dumb decision. He said, let me look at it. So he takes my glove and he says, come on, Jimmy. 
we went into his shop and we walked into the shop and he took a towel and he, he wrapped it around the glove and I remember he just tightened it up and trying to sop water out of it and then he, then he got this three-in-one oil out and he started putting it all over the glove and he's rubbing it in under in the palm and on the top and all over the, the hand and, 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 and I watched him rub it in, rub it in and as he's rubbing it in, I'm watching this water just drip from it and and then I remember him, him taking it, and he said, I'm going to set it outside. He said, we're, we're going to, it's supposed to be sunny the next couple of days, and I'm going to sit it in the sun, set it in the sun so that it dries. And, and two or three days later, I went and grabbed my glove, and it was like, it's brand new. It's good. My dad took and participated in the outcome of the decision that I had made that was horrible and took the outcome, which should have been destroyed, and turned it into good. Listen, listen, li listen. God promises, hear me out. God promises to take whatever you've done, no matter how bad it is, wherever you're at, he, he can take that when you feel like it's, it's over. He can take that. He participates in the outcome of it. He takes that, hear me, turns it into good. Like, can I get an amen? amen? That's our God. Like, he's got complete knowledge. There's nothing that he cannot not do. David wants us to praise him and be in awe of that. You see, God also brought you here to earth, and he will sustain you here. <laughs> God doesn't drop us off and say, hey, see you later. <laughs> God doesn't even have empty nest days. He's not like, well, finally, I hope they get out of the house soon. <laughs> Can't wait till they get on their own. <laughs> About time. Kid, you've been here for 30 years. Get out of here. No, like, no, God still cares for us, provides the same way. Even better when we're adults. God never has empty nest days for his kids. Can I have an amen? amen? God never changes his care for us when we become adults. God's fatherly protection, provision, power, and plans remain with us all the days of our lives. Right in the middle of your marriage mess, God promises to participate in that mess and turn that outcome into good. Right in the middle of your kids' wayward ways, God promises to participate and make the outcome good. Right in the middle after he left you and she left you and he died and she died. Right in the middle of that relationship, well, God participates and turns it into good. Amen? Amen. I love the word picture in verse 14. David says this, David says, the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. God's goodness confronts our despair and reminds us that we're not in this alone. It's one of the things we would try to do with our kids, and, and I learned it, I'm telling you, from my stepdad. When I played baseball, you know, if you bat 300 and you got three out of 10 hits dealt, that's a good day, isn't it? That's a good day. And so that meant seven of the times you either did what? You struck out or you grounded out or you flew out. But in your mind as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid, you, 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 you make an out and you feel like it's the end of the world. I always remember my, my stepdad sitting in the stands. It's okay, Jimmy. Get him next time. 
He would take my bowed head and lift it up and say, it will get better. And that's what God does. David says, God takes your head after you failed, after you've fallen. He lifts your chin up and says, there's a better day ahead because I can change the outcome and participate and turn it into good. Verse 15 and 16, just take a look. Look how he ends this up, big picture. The eyes of all who look to you, and he gives them their food at the proper time. He says, you open your hand, God, and satisfy the desires of every living thing. He said, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He, he hears their cries and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth, David said, will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. God's warehouse of supply cannot be depleted. Listen to me. He does not have cars parked in the lots waiting for, waiting for computer chips. They're available. So what does that mean to you and me today? God is not finished being God for you and me. Amen? Amen. Oh, man, I find great comfort in that. He can't be unfaithful, the text says. He can't be unrighteous. I can trust God even when it doesn't make sense to me. He answers prayers. When we invite him into the chaos of our lives, he draws near to us. Prayer is the linchpin to hope. David was a firsthand witness to this with Goliath and every sheep that he tried to lead and every animal that had tried to attack his sheep. And so David closes with, does your mouth speak praise? God is not finished with mighty acts. Let every creature praise his name. So every day, we have a choice. To wake up and bring this along and be chained to fretting and worry and concern. And let this be the guide to how we see life. Or we can cast this off and recognize that our God is an awesome God and be free in hope, light in weight, and powerful in action for his good. Can I ask you a personal question? What's your household look like? Husbands, are you this or are you this? Wives, are you this? Hey, how are you doing today? It's been a hard day, hasn't it? Holy cow, can hardly see through this. Do you realize what I've gone through today? Or is it our God's great, our God's strong. He promises to work it out for good. Let's praise his name. Grace Community Church, I would say, has been built on praise because our God's a great God. A long time ago, whether you realize this or not, 
this property that you sit on right now, praise God, for those who have sacrificially given, was a hayfield. And this hayfield belonged to a woman by the name of Arlene Christner who didn't have it for sale. And by God's grace, there were a group of people from Grace Church that were meeting in the middle school because we sold our building on Clinton Street that wanted to build somewhere but weren't certain where we could build because God was doing some great work in the middle of Grace Goshen. And this group formed a, 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 a team called the Dream Team. And this Dream Team began to dream about what God could do. And so this Dream Team began driving around Goshen and looking for vacant lots and vacant property. And the Dream Team saw this corner lot on County Road 36 and County Road 21, and it was a hayfield. And one of these members said, we should build there. And let me back up. I drove by this property prior to that and told my wife, there's a great piece of property on County Road 21 and 36. I don't think it's for sale, but I, let's not say our no for them. So we approached this sweet lady who was retired and asked her, would you be willing to consider selling this piece of property for Grace Community Church? This was her reply. She says, I've had numerous people come to me I think she had 12 or 13 people, businesses, individuals, companies who wanted to build. She said, you know, my dad passed away not too long ago, and he was a believer, and I'm a believer. And she said, you know what? She said, I think that my dad, who's in heaven, would love for a church to go there. And she said, we will sell you this property. Praise God, she said, but you know what? It takes money to buy properties. <laughs> so I went to our elders at the time. There were seven of us. And I said, if we believe that God is leading us there, then, then we must sacrifice first because if we're not willing to sacrifice, then why would we ask our people to sacrifice to give? So I presented them these ballots or these papers, and on this blank sheet of paper, I said, I want you to pray, go home with your family, and I want you to put an amount that you will pledge to give towards a building campaign for Grace Community Church. So a week later, we gathered, and they handed in their giving totals. And I began to tabulate these totals, seven men and families. I tabulated the totals of these seven men and seven families, and the amount of money that came in, hear me, of seven men, around $200,000 came in. This was, this was 20 years ago. They bought the land. Bought the land. I was part of that group. That next Sunday, I went out to do a, a capital campaign with our church, and I said these words. I said, I believe God wants us to lead and move and plant and reach Goshen at large. I believe he has a plan that there are families that need Jesus, people are unchurched, and I believe God wants us to move to this property. And so I put the pledge before them, and I said, by the way, I want you to know, I took this to your leaders, and I asked them to give. And so I said, listen, we have enough money already to buy the land. And what happened next was unreal. You sit here today, three editions later, listen, by God's grace, over 10,000 people have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the ministries of Grace Community Church. Yes, all praise to God. So why do I tell you that? Because Tannen, Pastor Tannen, would you come and join me? 
Pastor Tannen's, he, his heart feels the same way about Elkhart. And we have a group of people that we want to reach in Elkhart. And, and, and today, you're going to hear about how you can support and give towards Elkhart and what's happening in Elkhart. So, Pastor Tannen, what, what's happening in Elkhart? Well, what's up, guys? It's good to see your faces again. It's been a little while. So, uh, so yeah, we've been meeting as a, as a group, um, Grace Community Elkhart, for the last couple months up in the middle school room um, on, during second services. And so it's been a while since I've seen some of your faces, but it's been a, it's been a great transition. We do. We like and, your hair uh, too, man. Yeah, I, I was like, you know, it's a little lighter. So it's, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, been, it's been good. And um, we're really, really excited. We've been prepping, planning, praying. Um, for this transition for a very long time, and uh, and so the wheels are turning now, and uh, there's no stopping us now. So we uh, we're, we're Lord willing, um, we're looking to launch physically over in Elkhart at a, a public school there on the south side uh, the first Sunday in February. By the way, praise God, huh? praise yeah. God, come on. And so yeah, so right. Right now, right now we have about 65 adults, um, roughly 45 children um, that accompany those adults. And so a little over 100 people have committed to being a part of our, our Elkhart ministry, Praise which is God very, very that. exciting. Yeah. A lot of them are sitting in this service hey, right now. Hey, shirts, man. Yeah, and so we got, we got shirts, Grace Community Elkhart come shirts. Jesus is worth it. We got the logo on the back. And um, we believe that Jesus is worth it. We believe this mission and this ministry that he's called us to is worth it. It's going to be difficult. Um, we're going into a, a place there in South Elkhart that is very diverse. It's very diverse racially, culturally, socioeconomically. Um, it's very diverse politically as well. And so we as a church believe that where diversity is present, that the local church, that unity must be evident. Um, we are a people that together are uniting diverse people to follow Jesus. And that's what we want to be about as we go into South Elkhart. And so we're gonna be as intentional about that as we possibly can from our leadership um, all the way down to how we do ministry. Um, our goal is to simply serve and engage the people so that thousands more can come to know Christ as their, as their savior. I just wanna say, you know, Tannen, I've had the privilege of serving with him here at Grace. And I, honestly, I cannot think of a better man, a pastor to lead this group, man. Like, I'm, I'm your cheering section, bro. I believe in your leadership. I believe in what you're doing. You and Ariel and, and Marcus and Macy, and, and, and as you give reports and, and the, the decisions that you're making, God is packing with a lot of wisdom, and he's leading our campus there in Elkhart really well. So, man, I, I'm you. excited, and thank you for doing that, bro. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Thanks. So we, uh, we've got a couple different things planned here for the fall to just simply simply go into the community to engage. Um, we've got a coat drive that we're going to be doing here in a couple weeks uh, here in November. And then December, um, to get ready for the holiday seasons, we're going to be partnering uh, with Lifeline Youth Ministries and hosting a Christmas store um, that'll help empower families to, to purchase uh, items, gifts for their families that maybe they wouldn't have been able to purchase um, otherwise at full retail costs. And so we're trying to do things to step in to say, hey, we're, we're we're not expecting anything in return. We just simply want to, to serve and love, and, um, and that's, that's why we're here. Um, why the, south side of Elkhart? Yeah, one of the really cool things, this was a couple years ago now, um, Daryl Peterson approached us, the director of Lifeline Youth Ministries, 
And they, they've been a youth ministry there in Elkhart for over 50 years, ministering hard, reaching the youth of Elkhart. And they've been doing a fantastic job at that. Mm-hmm. But it was his desire that a local church would come and, and relationally partner with them to close the gap and to reach not only the help reach the kids, but also reach the parents, the families um, of the students that they were ministering to. And so that is going to be our first priority, is leveraging those relationships that, that Lifeline has established and worked hard to create, and for us as a church to come alongside them to engage those families so that the parents, um, the dads, the moms, the brothers, the sisters would come to know Christ um, as well. And so that's going to be our first order of business. And one of the really cool things is in February... We're going to be meeting in the short term in a public school over there in the south side of Elkhart. But our long-term meeting solution is actually going to be uh, met by some incredible things that Lifeline is doing. They started raising funds a long time ago with a dream to build a new facility on the south side of Elkhart, a place where a lot of business, a lot of things are leaving. They're going to be building this in the south side of Elkhart. You guys can clap for that. You can praise God for that. It's an incredible, incredible building. I mean, it is going to be an oasis of life. There's going to be three full-size basketball courts in that facility. We won't see Taylor very much at all. Yeah. (laughs) Along with two stories of activity spaces and classrooms the opportunities um, for connection, for relationship is, is endless, honestly. And so that is going to be our long-term uh, meeting solution right there in the south side of Elkhart, just south of the old Pier Moran Mall. Um, it's going to be an incredible space. So to, we'll take one of the gyms. We'll bring in some audio equipment. Yeah. We'll set up. There'll be some offices there. It'll be a, that'll be the place that the physical place that people gather for church. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so we're very, very excited about that. Like I said, the, the opportunities are, are endless. Our team, we have open hands. We're learning. Um, we're exploring new ways um, in terms of thinking about how to engage the community down the road as well. And so we're very, very excited about that. So it takes resources to make that happen. And we here at Grace Community, this be one church, two locations. We're, we're doing ministry together. And I think Think back to when the Lord provided for us, and uh, I wish I had hours to tell you the stories of how your children have been reached today because of generous people that you don't even know, that sacrifice their vacations and give up some of their 401 resources so that you get to come here and experience this together with the family here. But it takes sacrifice. It takes a willingness on your behalf to say, I want to see the people on south side of Elkhart come to know Jesus too. And so there's a way you can do that. We're going to do a one-time offering. Now, this is just for the Grace Campus. Pastor Tanner will be talking to the Elkhart Campus later. But our ushers have come, and here in a few moments, there is an envelope that has pretty cool Grace Community Elkhart, bro. There's a logo. (laughs) And you have a chance. We ask you to pray. And over the next three weeks, we're going to ask you to give a one-time gift, hear me out, above your regular tithe and offering. This is above that. This is saying, I want to give because it's going to cost money for startup calls. It's going to cost money for budgetary items. And all the money that comes in 
eventually will go in some form or fashion to the Elkhart campus. Nothing to Goshen campus. So you're saying, I believe in this. I believe what God's going to do, and I want to sacrificially give. We also have a QR code here, a giving code, if we could pop that up. You can grab your phone now and just take a picture of that and then save this in your favorites. Um, This is a place that you can give online. So this offering will be collected over the next three weeks for Elkhart Campus. Why is that a good thing, Tannen? It's an incredible thing. Uh, this, is, this is something, we talked about this several years ago. When we began dreaming about reaching the over 100,000 people in Elkhart County that do not know Jesus as their personal Savior, when we started raising funds for our new youth spaces and the camp- campaign that we did last, our goal there was to reach more and more people, more and more families for Christ. And through the park, I was able to experience that through children's ministry, the families and the people that we were able to reach through that. As we were approached with this opportunity, we felt God was opening a door for us to go out, to go to the south side of Elkhart to continue that original prayer, to continue that original work that we set out to do. Jesus came to us to meet our mm-hmm. needs right where we're at. And that's, that's what we're doing as Grace Community Elkhart. And that's what you guys get to be a part of um, as our sending, um, sending church, yeah. essentially. And we'll be two churches, or one church, two locations, and uh, we need your help. And so we just humbly ask that you would help provide and help get us started over there. So we're going to worship here in a second. Pastor Tannen's going to pray before that. But a couple things. As you worship, get your praise on, okay? You know what that does, right? Like no hands in your pockets, no listless, speak forth praise, proclaim. But also... Um, as Tannen prays, after he prays, hold your hand up. We just want to give one envelope per family. And if you don't get one, ushers will give you one when you head out. Pastor Tannen, pray for us. Absolutely. Lord God, we just thank you um, that you are a great God, that, that, that you are the one that sets this ministry in motion. And so, God, we pray that you would be glorified through this ministry in Elkhart. God, we pray that you would just be preparing hearts, preparing the harvest of people that will say, we want to follow Jesus. We believe Jesus is worth it. God, I thank you for every single person that's in this room, Lord. I see their faces. I know their kids. And, God, I just pray and I thank you for their lives. And I pray that you would provide for this ministry so that thousands and thousands more people could come to know Jesus. Thank you for your love. Extend your love, God, um, to that community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.